I'm so glad that you are here with us. My name is Mark. I get the opportunity of serving as the college and young adult pastor here at Grace. And uh, man, you're jumping in as we kick off a new collection, a new series called It's Complicated. Somebody say it's complicated. Every year we take some time to talk through relationships, and I know it's an exciting time as we jump in uh, to this conversation, but it's an important conversation because here's what I know to be true. Many of you, if you identify as a young adult, uh, this is a growing concern, worry, or growing focus in your life. And we name this series It's Complicated because how many of you know when it comes to dating and singleness and marriage, oftentimes it can be seen as complicated, am I right? It can be seen as complicated. And when I think about complicated things, uh, I'm reminded of Ikea furniture, okay? Uh, let, me, let me just kind of go on a little rant for a second. Um, I love Ikea furniture. If you own Ikea furniture, God bless you. But I'll just say this. Ikea furniture, um, it, it always puts me to the test. I remember when Michelle and I first got married uh, in our first apartment, uh, we had a lot of Ikea furniture. And how many of you know, like, the instructions, they, they don't make a lot of sense, and I remember the first time trying to put together this Ikea furniture, and your boy literally felt like he was about to lose his salvation, okay? <laughs> like, I'm the type of guy that if the instructions aren't clear or if something doesn't make sense, I just throw out the instructions and I go about doing it my own way on my own terms. And I remember throwing away the instructions, and I think what's interesting about that is it's a parallel to how so many of us go about dating. Because oftentimes when we get frustrated or when things don't seem clearly spoken to or spoken towards, what we do is we take matters into our own hand. And what I know to be true in my own life, whenever I do that, I am more prone, I'm more apt to building something that is destined to fail. I'm more prone and I'm more apt to build something that won't withstand the test of time. I'm more prone and more apt to build something that may hurt me or hurt someone else. And what I think to be true is so many of us, we do that when it comes to this idea of relationships. And so many of us, we find ourselves in this place where we're stuck and we're mad at God because we ended up in this place where we go, God, why is this happening? Why are things panning out this way? But can I tell you the truth? Many of you end up in this place because you've disregarded the instructions from the word of God. As we go into this collection today, I just want to help you navigate through this conversation of dating and relationships. I want to give you some framework to it, but here's what I know to be true. There's so many people in this room that represent different relationship statuses and situations. So many people in the room today, you're single. Where my singles at? Go ahead and raise your hand. This is your opportunity to find someone. Raise your hand with confidence, man. Come on, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, that's me, you know. Some of you in the room are, are single. Some of you in the room, you're dating, you're in a relationship. Maybe you're engaged. Uh, there's some married couples I know in the room today. Um, and I even want to be sensitive to this, but I, I know there's people in the room that have walked through uh, difficult seasons when it comes to relationship that maybe even resulted in, in divorce. And as a pastor of this ministry, I, I just want to speak truth to your life today. I want to speak healing to your life today. I want to bring you some hope and encouragement today. And for, for me, as I've been preparing for this collection, preparing for this series, my, my prayer and my hope is that some of you would find your confidence in God first and foremost. My, my prayer and my hope is that some of you, you would find security in this season of singleness. 
My prayer and my hope for some of you is that you would finally wake up and take that step and realize you have all that you need from God to do what God has called you to do, and you can now take that step and confidently start dating. But can I just be honest? My prayer is for some of you in the room today is that you may break up. Knew no one was going to clap, but there we go. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Here's why I say that, and I want to be sensitive when I say that, because I know this to be true. You can't marry the right person if you're dating or entertaining the wrong person. I want you to get that in your heart today. You can't marry the right person if you're dating or entertaining the wrong person. Anyone ever hear this term, um, in my BC days? You ever heard that before? Um, we use that quite often, and I, I think about this moment in my life for this season in my life. It wasn't necessarily my BC days. I would call them my BMMD days. My b- before my mind was developed days, okay? Uh, I, <laughs> I remember being a teenager, and um, I was 15 years old. My best friend, he was 16. He just got his license. And Anyone remember when you just got your license? Like, most exciting time, like some freedom. Yeah, we're going to do this thing. That's exactly how we responded when my friend got his license. And I remember when he got his license, his parents bought him um, this red Jeep Wrangler. They put mud tires on it. They lifted it for him. And he and I, one day, it was a Saturday, we were working out at this field over in Wesley Chapel at a high school. And it started raining outside, and, and we came up with this brilliant idea. Let's just go mudding, okay? What we didn't realize is typically when people go mudding, they go to a destination to go mudding. We said, we're going mudding right here on this football field. So me and my buddies, we, we finished working out. We, we jump in the Jeep. Got like 18 dudes in the back of this little Jeep. And we pull over on the side of this field. And my boy Shane, he just cranks it. And we literally don't even make it 10 yards into the middle of this field till we got stuck. And literally, like, you hear Shane flooring it. And we're just not moving. We were clearly stuck in a rut. And as we're stuck in this rut... All of the guys were like, come on, Shane, you got this. Like, man, you know, we're kind of dumb like that. So after like five minutes of, of literally Shane just flooring it, we all get out, we get behind the car, we, we start trying to push this thing. But what we didn't realize is as Shane is flooring it, the tires are just kicking up mud and creating a bigger rut, and we were still stuck. And literally 20 minutes passed by, car just silenced, just silenced. You don't hear anything. I walk over to the driver's side, and I literally see Shane just emotional, red as all get out, bawling his eyes out. I go, Shane, what's wrong? He's like, we're out of gas. God bless us. Here's the thing about it. Shane goes, we're out of gas, and literally our only option at this point is to call someone to get us out. We were stuck in this rut, so Shane goes, I got to call my dad. And in that moment, I go, that's my cue, peace. Because here's what's, here's what's crazy about this. Shane's dad, um, you think Micah's big. Shane's dad was like six foot 25. And um, he was an FBI agent. And he was just a super militant man, very stern in his ways. But the other challenge was Shane's parents were extremely close with my parents. So I knew that if Shane was getting a beaten, Mark is getting a beaten, Okay. And let's just say, from that moment forward, that was the first and the last time we ever went mudding. And we left that place with a beating in pain and filled with regret. Filled with pain and 
and regret. And I, I like that story. I like that analogy because I believe it's a picture of how so many of us would identify with this season when it comes to our relationships. So many of you in the room today, you're feeling stuck before you could even get started. So many of you today in the room, you feel stuck in this season of your life, and you're stuck before you could even get started walking in your relationship. And when I think about that, it just brings me to the clear evidence that we see in this generation. I think the greatest issue that we experience in this generation is so many of us, we find ourselves in this season or this moment where we're single. And what we read in the Bible is singleness is a gift, but so many of you who are single, you see it as a burden. And so many of us, when we see this thing as a burden, what do we do? We want to expedite the process. So what do we do? We take matters in our own hand, and we start rushing through this season of singleness. And instead of being the person before you meet the person, you meet the person, but you end up with your heart broken saying, God, why did this happen to me? So many of us today, we're dating, and we're dating, and when I think about dating, many of us, we, we go about dating and go about our relationships in a way where we're playing married. And so many of you, you end up stuck and you get mad at God, but you're the one that's been playing married, but when you, things don't go the way you thought they would go, instead of experiencing a breakup, it feels like divorce. And you're getting mad at God. God, why is this happening to me? I even think about this truth. So many young adults that get married today, there's so much research and growing statistics on this truth that so many young married couples today as they get married and they're excited, their excitement dies down. And before they can even celebrate their first anniversary, they're going their separate ways. And I just feel with all of my heart, it's a moment for us when we hear these things to be honest with ourselves. It's a moment for us to realize we have done a poor job of staying in alignment with God when it comes to this topic of dating and relationships. And I just want to help you find alignment with God today. I want to help you get back into alignment with God because many of us, we just need to be reminded a firm foundation is only found when we build our relationships on the person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to experience success in your relationships, I would say you got to start by being secure in who you are as a child of God. So today, I want to speak to you from this idea, stuck in a rut. Stuck in a rut. And so many of you today, you're, you're single and stuck, and you not only feel like you're single and stuck, but you feel like you're always going to be stuck being single. You, you feel like, man, I'm just going to be this way forever. And like I said, you see it more as a burden than it is a gift. And I, I think about so many of you in the room today. I, I connect with so many young men and even some ladies my wife connects with. And so many of you find yourself in this season of singleness, and you say, man, I'm stuck in this place. It's a burden to me. And it always seems like whenever I'm close to a relationship, things don't work out. Therefore, God doesn't have someone for me. Or maybe I'm just called to be single forever. Maybe that is the case, but can I submit this thought to you today? You don't have to have the perspective that you're stuck. You can be secure in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be stuck. You don't, you don't have to be stuck in this place. So many of you today, maybe you're, you're dating and you still feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're stuck because you know you're in a relationship that, that clearly isn't honoring God. Maybe you guys made a decision, and there's no shame. This is not throwing shade at anyone. But maybe you made that decision to, to move in together. 
And prematurely, you started commingling funds, and you, you started playing married, and after you guys moved in, it opened up a door to physical intimacy, and now you know that there are soul ties, but the soul ties are keeping you in that relationship, but you know you should get out of that relationship. Your friends are telling you you should get out of that relationship. God is telling you to go, but your body's telling you no. God, just be real today. So many of us don't realize the power of a soul tie. And until you recognize the power of a soul tie, until you recognize that there's a problem with how you've been going about this season of your life, you will stay stuck. I think about some of you who are engaged in the room today, some of you who are in the room and you may find yourself in this season where you're engaged, you still may feel like you're stuck as you're, you're going through it and you're like, man, as we get closer to the wedding day, more and more red flags start to arise. There's bursts of anger, there's fits of rage. And you're fighting it. You're fighting it because you've already sent the invitations to the wedding. You posted it on the gram, and now you're going, I'm stuck. There's no turning back. You're not stuck. You can find security in the word of God. Some of you today, maybe you're married. Maybe you experienced a season of divorce, and man, that divorce left you feeling like I'm stuck because there's a label on my life, and no one will ever start a relationship with me because of my past. Can I tell you today, friend, you aren't stuck. You can find security in Christ. God has a plan for your heart. God has a future for your life. God has a future for this area of your life called hope, and that hope's only found in, in Jesus. So we got to look at his word. we got to ask God, God, what does your word have to say? about relationships and as I speak today I just kind of want to just say this maybe you came tonight and you're like oh relationship series I'm gonna hear 10 practical steps for singleness go to the weekend for that how mayor's gonna do an incredible job speaking on it it's gonna be great but here's what I want to do I want to give you some practical steps wherever you find yourself single dating married engaged wherever you find yourself I want to give you some practical steps to get unstuck if you got a Bible, open it up. If you got notes, open it up. I want to start here. I believe in order for us to find a sense of security in this season of our life, we got to make a decision to shift our mindset from recreational living to intentional living. I'm going to be super, super practical with this point because many of us, we've made this mistake in the season of our lives and in our relationships to make things more about recreational living than intentional living. And when I think about this, I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. The apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I put the ways of childhood behind me. Let me just start here. Let me, let me be real. Let me just pastor us in this moment. I believe so many of us, what we need to do when it comes to this idea of growing up and living intentionally, what we need to do is stop fishing for a guy or girl's attention by way of flaunting our body, our looks, our wealth, our status, our achievements, our accolades. That's not the way to find a guy or to find a woman. If that's your strategy, you will find a girl or a boy. I don't even want to just focus on that today. I believe so many of us, 
when it comes to this idea of, of growing up and stepping out of the childhood things, what I'm reminded of, when I was a child, how many of you remember uh, after a long day of school when you were a child, first thing you would want to do is go home and play, right? Go outside and play with your friends and frolic in the dirt and all that cute stuff, right? I, I think about this. When, when I was a teenager, after a long week of school, I would live for Friday, and on Friday, I would have my parents drop me off at the mall or the movies. You guys remember that? Some of you are like, I still do that. Okay, you're weird. You don't belong here. Anyways. But how many of you remember, like, you would get dropped off at the mall, like, no money in your pockets? It's like, what are we doing here, you know? <laughs> Just walking around, <laughs> you know? What I think is so interesting, though, is some of us, we're, we're still dabbling with this cycle of childhood behavior. We're living Monday through Friday, filling our week with, with schoolwork or maybe actual work, like with your job, but you're living for Friday night, and you're living for the weekend, and you're living for the club scene, and you're living for the nightlife, and you're living for the parties, and you're living to hang out with the friends and get turned and all that different stuff, but can I tell you, you aren't called to that lifestyle. You are a child of God. God's called you to something greater, and it's not the weekend. You're called to live for the sake of eternity. You'll stay stuck if you keep on living for the weekend. You'll stay stuck if you keep living for the turn up. You'll stay stuck if you keep living for the nightlife, and I just want to challenge some of you out of this, this, this feeling of, man, I'm stuck in this season of childhood. You, you got to grow up. You got to take a step out and make that decision to mature. And when I make that decision to mature, when I make that decision to grow up, I, I stop going from bedroom to bedroom, bed to bed, guy to guy, girl to girl, date to date. I start living with a sense of intentionality in my life. And here's what I know about so many of us, that maybe in this season where we're still dabbling with the childhood things or the childish things of the world, recreational living will always point you to a heart of regret and pain. Pain and regret, it's a, it's a byproduct of recreational living. Because how many of you know when you're just living for the nightlife, Things turn into this, one more drink and I'll be good. But one more drink turns into another drink. And another drink turns into another drink. All the way till you find yourself waking up the next day next to someone you don't even know. And now you're filled with regret. And now you're filled with shame. I'm not trying to shame anyone. <laughs> I wanna share my heart, because this is like a part of my story. I remember um, my first couple months of college, like when your boy moved to Miami to play college football, he got a taste of freedom, okay? Like, don't judge your pastor, okay? I had my moment too. But I remember going off to college and literally the, the theme was after every game that we would win, the guys would go out. And I was never one for the, for the scene. I, I grew up in church, I loved Jesus. Never was one for drinking or drugs or partying or any of that different stuff, but one night I decided to go out with the guys and I remember it was a Saturday night after a win and I remember waking up Sunday morning and as I'm getting ready for church that morning about 8.30 in the morning, I'm struggling to get dressed because as I look in the mirror, my eyes were just bloodshot red, okay? And it's not because of what you think, okay? Let me clarify. But 
I was out till like 5.30 in the morning out on the scene with the guys doing things that we shouldn't have been doing and just living the nightlife. But I remember waking up and as I looked in the mirror, just going, this is not who God has called and created you to be, Mark. And you'll never be able to walk in the will of God if you're not obeying the ways of God. I think so many of us today, we desire to be in a relationship, but you will never walk in the will of God if you aren't adopting to the ways of God. You'll never be able to see or experience his blessing in this area of your life if you're not obeying his word. I think so many of us today, we have this thing called selective obedience. We got this thing in our life called selective obedience where I go, I think I'm just going to obey you here, not here, I've got this. And so many of us, what we're doing, we're doing that with our relationships. We got selective obedience, and what do we do? After that, we end up stuck. We end up stuck. Not only do I think if we want to experience God's will and break free from this feeling of, of being stuck, I, I think we've got to bring some people around us that are also going to help us walk out our faith journey and experience intentional living. Like I think about so many people here at the exchange. I think about a guy like Micah. I think about a, a, a girl like Gabby. I think about a girl like Lindsay. I think about a guy like Tom or Albert. These men and these women who are in love with God and want to honor God with every area of their life. They are living intentionally for Jesus. And I think when we think about intentionally living our life for Jesus, we think that it's boring. Look at their life. I'll tell you, they look like they have the most fun in the world, okay? I'll say this. Yeah, Lindsay's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'll say this. So many of us, we have this stigma or this mindset that intentional living is boring. I would challenge you and say, intentional living isn't boring, it's rewarding. Living your life intentionally for the sake of God and for the sake of Jesus Christ, it isn't boring, it's rewarding. The second thing I would say to you is if you want to get unstuck is you need to avoid living a life of envy. If you want to get unstuck when it comes to relationships, avoid living a life of envy. I want you to hear me on this because I believe social media makes this so challenging for us today. And I think so many of us today, we want a relationship like the relationships that we see on social media or The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. But I'll just say this. If social media, if these TV shows that paint this beautiful mirage is your motivation or inspiration, you will always be chasing a fantasy and not living your life for legacy. You'll always be living your life chasing a fantasy. And you see, it's when we live with envy in our heart. I believe it's so important that we check that because envy in the heart of a Christian is probably the most destructive thing for your faith. I think so many of us, we're envious of the relationships that we see out in this world. But here's the thing about envy in the heart of a Christian. Envy in the heart of the Christian is so destructive because it causes you to miss out on the thing that God has for you. And you start chasing something that God has never, ever called you to or intended you to walk in or receive. And some of you, you're single. And I know it's difficult when you're, you're approaching your 30s, but all your friends, they got married in their early 20s. And you're in this place where you're going, man, God, like, now I got to rush. I got to figure this out. Can I tell you today, don't rush the process, steward that season, because God is doing something in you and for you and through you. Don't expedite the process. Be dependent on God. I think about some of you who are dating and you're trying to honor God in your relationship. 
But when you follow all your friends on social media that are also in relationships, you see photos of them and videos of them traveling the world with their boyfriend or girlfriend. See photos of them waking up next to one another. See those cute little videos of them making each other's breakfast. <laughs> and so many of you, you, you go, am I missing out? Why, why, why don't I just give that a try? Why don't I just start traveling the world with that boyfriend or girlfriend? Why don't I just start doing all of these things with my significant other? Can I tell you the truth? God's called you out of that because when you steward that season well, you're building a firm foundation. You're building security in your life. You are building a firm foundation that honors God and honors Jesus. But for those who aren't, they're compromising their foundation. They're not building on a secure foundation. They're not building something that is built to last. And I think about this, Michelle and I, we, we could completely understand what that feels like. I remember when we first started dating, we, we made a commitment to each other that we're gonna honor God with our relationship, but all around us, my teammates and my friends, they were doing the completely op complete opposite. Think about my friends and my teammates that, that would literally judge Michelle and I for making that decision to say, we're not gonna live together, we're not gonna sleep together, we're not gonna hang out past a certain time in the evening. We're not gonna do the things that other people are doing. And I'm not boasting, I'm not bragging, but I am saying I can confidently stand on this stage and say I thank God that I made that decision because I have a firm foundation with my bride. I'm not boasting, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but, but it was an intentional decision that we had to make. I just want to tell you today, don't be envious or don't covet someone else. Don't covet that relationship. Don't covet that, that couple. When I say covet, I, I'm speaking to a term that many of us probably don't even realize that that's our reality. We're coveting someone's relationship. What we're doing is we're overly envious and we desire to have what they have. We desire to have what they have instead of trusting what God has for us. We want what they have. And it's important you understand this because marriages today are ending because of people that couldn't get a hold of defeating the giant of living a life that is covetous or covetousness or envious or jealous of other people because that follows them into their marriage. And when it follows them into their marriage, after a few years of being married, they start going, I'm bored of this. And they look like they're having fun. So what do you do? You, you step out of the will of God and you start experimenting with people that God never called you to step into covenant with. And I'm passionate about this because we need to make the intentional decision today to crush and kill the giant of envy in our life. This is one of God's commands. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let me just clarify because I'm pretty sure no one's like coveting other neighbor's ox or donkey. <laughs> but we're coveting worldly relationships. And the thing about it is, is when, when God says we, we shouldn't covet, he, he says this because he knows when we live a life of envy or when we covet others, we produce an idol in our heart. It, it creates an idol in our heart. And God's very first command to us was this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. 
But so many of us today, we've allowed our impatience, we've allowed our lack of trust to birth an idol. We've allowed our impatience to birth an idol in our heart. I think about this moment, Exodus chapter 32. I'll just break it down for you real quick. It just came to me. Exodus chapter 32, it's a moment where the people of God are waiting on Moses. Moses was the people of God's leader, the people of Israel. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 32 that Moses had gone over to a mountain where he was to meet God. And there, and as he and God were to meet, he would receive the Ten Commandments. But as Moses is there waiting on this mountainside, the Bible says uh, days have gone by, days have passed before God actually appeared to Moses. But the people of Israel that, w- that were back at their camp, they became impatient. They didn't, they didn't want to wait on Moses. They didn't want to wait on God. So what did they do in this moment? The Bible tells us they run over to a man by the name of Aaron and they go, hey, Aaron, we're tired of waiting on God. We're tired of waiting on Moses. Just make us a statue that we can worship. And Moses, he, he makes them an idol. He makes them a statue. And the people of God, they start worshiping this statue. And the Bible says instantly in that moment, God had decided he was going to destroy those people. I would just say this. Don't let envy lead to your destruction. Don't let that idol in your life, that that couple or that relationship that you're idolizing, lead to your destruction. The third practical thing I want to give you today is if we're going to get unstuck and walk in a place of security, we got to invite the right voices into our life. I know as I speak about this stuff, man, this doesn't really feel like, oh, super single message or relationship message. I'm telling you, I'm giving you practical advice, not only to win in a relationship, but to win in the most important relationship, and that's your relationship with Jesus. We got to invite the right voices into our life. And you see, the thing about that is, so many of us, we feel like we're stuck because we don't have the right people speaking into our life. I want you to think about that moment where I was right there in that red Jeep Grand Cherokee or red Jeep Wrangler right there in the middle of that football field. We were stuck in the middle of the field, and chances are it was because of the people in the back seat that were telling us to go for it. So many of us, we, we got the wrong people in the back seat of our life. We, we've got the wrong voices in our ear. And I think about what Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says. It says this, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Where there's no guidance, the people fail and they fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. I'll just say this. If you're dating and in a relationship, do not date in the dark. Invite some people into that relationship. Challenge people to open their mouth and speak to what they are seeing in your relationship. Don't date in the dark. And I would say this, if... If you want to see how that relationship would go, if you're interested in that guy or girl, start checking their circle. Who are the guys, who are the girls, who are the people that they have speaking into their life? Does he have a mentor? Does she have a mentor? Does she have someone that's pouring into her? Does she have someone that's challenging her to walk in the way of God? And I just want to give you a newsflash today. You, as the boyfriend or girlfriend, you're not called to be that person. You are not called to be the spiritual accountability in your boyfriend or girlfriend's life. I just feel like so many of us today, we don't understand this. So I'm trying to give us some framework today to protect your heart and move you from stuck to secure. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
I think so many times we probably read that and we just kind of glaze over it. We get stuck on that verse. But what this verse is saying is a true friend tells you the hard things that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. And an untrue friend tells you what you want to hear. I think so many of us, this is an area in our life that we practice selective obedience. I know I need friends in my ear that are going to tell me the truth that I don't want to hear. But I just want friends in my life that are going to talk me up and hype me up and tell me what I want to hear. And if you have that in your life, you will forever stay stuck. Even in my life today, I've got people in my life that challenge me. I've got people that inspect my and Michelle's marriage. We got a couples group, a young couples group that we have, and each and every week we speak about the struggles that we experience in our marriage. And our friends, they know, they have the keys to our relationship. They can challenge us, they can sharpen us, they can call things out within us. So I ask you this question, who do you have in your life? Who's the person, who are the people that you've invited into your life to speak truth over you? This is practical stuff, and the fourth thing I wanna speak to today is this, Kill sin and the distractions that you have in your life. If you want to move from being stuck to being secure, you got to kill sin and the distractions that you have in your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we as followers of Jesus, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Simple application for you. Don't wait to kill sin or eliminate distractions in your life. If you want to move from a place of stuck, you got to kill sin that's keeping you stuck. You got to kill the distractions that are keeping you stuck. I just want to challenge some of you today. You're in a relationship with a boy or a girl, but can I tell you that's the distraction that's keeping you stuck? I'm not telling you to kill them, but I am saying cut them off. You got to get rid of some distractions. You got to get rid of some sin in your life. And when I think about sin, so many of us as young adults today, I believe one of the top schemes and tactics of the enemy is to introduce us to sexual sin and pornography. And the Bible, it, it speaks about this in the New Testament, let alone hundreds of times. Speaks about, tells us not to live a life that's filled with lust. It tells us to run and flee from the sexual desires. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says this, run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And I want you to understand, sex is a gift from God. But outside of its intended design, it's destructive, not just for your body, not just for your mind, not just for your heart, but for your soul. And so many of us, we, we miss out on understanding this and we fall into this trap. Paul says this is so important that we understand this, so he says it again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run. Somebody say run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace, and enjoy the companionship of all those who call on the name of the Lord. See, what the word run in the Greek means is run. We gotta run from, from sin. We gotta run from sexual sin. We gotta run from temptation. We gotta run in the opposite direction when our body starts telling us, yes, but we know we shouldn't do that thing. We gotta go in the opposite direction of sin. And I'm just challenging some of you today, maybe your sin that you struggle with isn't 
lust. Maybe it's not porn. Maybe it's not sleeping around. Maybe for you, it's alcohol. Maybe for you, it's drugs. Maybe for you, it's greed. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's anger. I don't know what it is, but God does, and he's telling you today, kill that thing or it will kill you. Run from it. Don't entertain it. And so many of us, what we do is we have confidence in the flesh, and what we start doing is believing this lie from the enemy. That, man, although I may be struggling in this area, I'm going to still dabble with this thing because once I get married, I'll put it aside. Can I tell you today? Marriage does not eliminate your problems. It magnifies your problems. And if you get married while you're struggling with any of those things, you're not eliminating it. You're just putting a ring on it. And so many of us, we we feel like we got to take on the hat of being savior. And we know that guy or that girl is struggling with this sin. And we have conjured up this idea that we could save them from that sin. Or we could help them in that sin. Can I tell you, you don't need to put the pressure on you. You're not the savior. He is. I just believe today. If you've got faith to believe that you could save that person, why not have faith to believe that God has someone for you that's already saved? Why not believe that God has someone specifically for you? You you don't need to be the savior for that person. So you don't need to put that responsibility on you. Would you wait on God? Would you trust God? Last thing I want to give you today, last practical thing I want to give you today is if we're going to move from being stuck to secure in Christ, what we need to do is live our lives with a desire and a pursuit for the things of God. Trust me when I tell you, I I know this isn't really exciting. I know this just doesn't get you going, but I'm giving you practical truth today because I want to see somebody walk out of this room secure in God and secure in the person that God has created and called them to be. If you want to move and live in a life of security, you got to live your life in pursuit of the things of God. And I just feel this in my heart today. No, I didn't give you 10 keys to win at singleness. I know I didn't talk about uncomplicated dating or sex. We're going to get to those things in the next few weeks here. But I'll just say this. Instead of living in pursuit of a boy or a girl, would you live in pursuit for the things of God? I'm reminded of Matthew 6, verse 33. It's when I live in pursuit of the things of God, when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be added onto me. But I got to seek first Jesus. And here's what I believe to be true. It's when you seek Jesus and when you trust Jesus, you will never fail. You'll never find yourself in this place of feeling stuck we're insecure because you got hope in Christ. You know, he has something for your life. As we get ready to close in this moment, <clears throat> I just want you to hear me on this. Your security, it, it's not found in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's found in Jesus. Your, your security, it, it's not found in a husband or a wife. It, it's only found in Jesus. Your security, it's not found in a great grandioso wedding. It's not found in a ring. It's only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus, and it's always held by Jesus. You want security for your life. You got to look to Jesus. 
starts with Jesus. It's always been Jesus. And it will always be Jesus. Would you stand to your feet today? I, I just want to challenge us today to respond in faith. Maybe you're feeling stuck in this area of your life. I want you to know you, you don't have to stay stuck. There's security today. There's hope today. Now just get passionate about this because I believe so many of us, we are settling for good and missing out on God. We're settling for, for this life that we have imagined that God has called us to, but in all reality, we haven't been living our life in pursuit of the things of God. We've settled for a counterfeit. I just want to challenge you today. Would you find your security in him? We're going to sing this song, and it's here again. Have you heard it? I just feel this in my spirit for somebody today. You've been struggling. You've been feeling so insecure. You've been living and dealing with all of this doubt, and you have this overwhelming feeling in your mind. You have this feeling trickling in your head that you're always going to be stuck. You're just going to be stuck. Today, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. There's security that you can have today. It's tangible. Security isn't just a principle. It's a person, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. There's security. So can we just be a people today that make a decision to say, God, I'm going to honor you with my life. I'm going to honor you with this area of my life. I'm going to honor you with my singleness. I'm going to honor you even though I feel like I'm stuck. God, I'm trusting in you. I am secure. God, I'm going to honor you with my purity. God, I'm going to honor you with my choices. I'm going to honor you with my mindset. I'm going to honor you with my eyes. I'm going to honor you with my feet. God, I will honor you. Security is here in the room today. He's here and he wants to meet you where you are. Security isn't just a principle, it's a person, and he wants to speak to your heart. Come on, if you believe it tonight, let's lift our hands, let's lift our voices.